most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. Bats. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon. I'm here with one of the top fantasy rankers in the game, and Sean Kerner. And for today, I'm real excited because we got a very, very special guest. Uh, we're going to be talking all about quarterbacks, and who better to do it than the man who has pretty much defined uh, the way we draft quarterbacks for more than a decade now. Uh, Also the man who is the reason that I'm even sitting here. Like you guys wouldn't be listening to me if it wasn't for this man. So I am proud to welcome Mr. JJ Zacharyson to the show. What's up, JJ? I mean, look, look, man. Well, first off, it's good to be here. It's great to be here. But you, you would have you would have been out there. People would have discovered you if not for you starting a number fire and stuff. I, I feel very blessed and lucky that you just happened to stumble upon number fire <laughs> and write me that that scathing review of an article that someone had written on number fire way back in the day that ended up, you know, basically Raybon came at me and was like, I don't agree with this article. Here's why. And my response to him was, hey, why don't you come write for us instead of you know, just like getting upset about these articles that are on this website. And then here he is today. So I'm very, very happy for you. man. I appreciate it. And yeah, it was, it was a crazy situation because I was reading your book at the time. It was the only email I've ever sent like that, like uh, to a site. <laughs> so it was, you know, chance it happens, but uh, glad to be here with you guys. And uh, for all you out there, um, we're going to be talking late round quarterbacks. Uh, just want to uh, mention our contest winner for the episode. And uh, if you guys leave a review on Apple, we pick the best one each week and we give you a year of action pro. And this week's winner is Matt H man. And I got to read this uh, full interview. Cause I thought it was hilarious. Uh, he goes, fantasy flex is an outlier. I tried to manually adjust this rating to a 5.5, but I still couldn't quite get there. Still 5.0 isn't bad and puts the fantasy flex squarely in the top 10 with upside from there in a non PPR. So what a you fantastic, to the show, what a fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Like if you listen to the show, you know, that's essentially my dilemma with Nick Chubb's yards per carry yeah, so every year. JJ. Yeah. <laughs> Rayvon was projecting Nick Chubb for like 4.9 yards per rush last year. I said, I understand the logic behind it, but you, for him specifically, yeah. you just have to manually make it 5.5 right. 5 and move on with life. It's just hundred percent much yeah, better yeah. to do it. Yeah, you cannot use logic with Nick. <laughs> right. It was like the Titans red zone offense with Arthur Smith a couple of years ago. It was like, yeah, you yeah, just have to yeah. bump everything up. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So uh, hit up a podcast at actionnetwork.com to claim your year uh, of action network pro Matt H man. Thank you for the review. And uh, yeah, let's jump right into this. And JJ, the question I'm going to start out with is, you know, you're famous for the late round quarterback strategy. I'm sure uh, many of our listeners are familiar, but if they aren't, can you just kind of break that down and kind of put it in the context of, of 2022? Because you've been doing this for over a decade now. Yeah. I, thanks for calling me out for being old. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, back in 2012 was when uh, I published the late round quarterback ebook. 
Um, and at that time, it, it's hard to believe, but five quarterbacks had ADPs in the first two rounds of, of season long drafts. And it was really just a response of like that near lockout season that happened in 2011, where like quarterback numbers were ballooned a little bit. We saw it even a little bit, you know, recently with like the, the COVID season and such, where at the beginning of the front half of that season, we saw more scoring and such. I think a lot of people see those instances and they're like, you know, they assume that defenses are going to, or, you know, offenses won't be in sync, but offenses dictate games. And that's why we see, you know, what we see from a scoring standpoint. And so in 2012, you know, everyone was like, I got to get a quarterback early. I got to get Matthew Stafford in the back half of the first round and Cam Newton in the first round and all this kind of stuff. But really, you know, the, the quarterbacks uh, value in season long leagues, they, it doesn't change that dramatically year over year because you're only starting one of them in your typical season long league. And not only that, because you're starting only one of them, you can generally get pretty viable options later in your draft. And, you know, whenever I published that ebook, that really meant like getting like the 12th quarterback in like the eighth round. Uh, but that's that just sort of like evolved through the years where, you know, like basically in like 2015 and 2016, uh, there was no correlation basically between where you're drafting these quarterbacks, in like the top 18 or so, and basically how they finished on a points per game basis. 2015 in particular, the R squared between top 18 quarterbacks by ADP and points per game was literally zero. I mean, it was, it was completely <laughs> irrelevant. Uh, and so we saw that like kind of bounce back and forth throughout the, the, you know, 2015 to 2018 range. And then, you know, what we're seeing now these last couple of seasons is, uh, the market is catching up and realizing that quarterback mobility is so important. Um, and what that's done is that, you know, if you look at top 18 quarterbacks by ADP and look at their points per game and find the correlation, uh, you know, you go from, you know, back, like I said, in 2015, 2018, a, a non-existent correlation between those two to the last couple of seasons, it's been 55%. I mean, it's been actually fairly strong. And so where we're at now with the late round quarterback strategy is, yes, it's viable, um, but you know, I think a lot of people assume that a guy like Josh Allen or Kyler Murray, whoever, that they're giving you this huge point advantage, but it's not so much the point advantage that they're giving you. It's the predictability that they're giving you. Whereas before we didn't have that predictability. Like we would draft a guy in the fourth round or something like that by ADP and he would finish as a QB 13. And that's just the way that things went. But now we have the stability at the quarterback position, which, you know, I think it'll run out eventually, but what it's doing is. Uh, you know, the top 12 quarterbacks are generally the top 12 quarterbacks that you should be targeting. There's going to be guys who slip through the cracks. Of course, it's not going to be perfect, but that's going to force you to draft quarterbacks a little bit earlier. So, you know, I, I wrote about this a couple of years ago when this was starting to happen with the quarterback mobility stuff. And I joked that I would become more of a middle round quarterback instead of the late round quarterback. And I think we've seen it come to fruition, but I do think, and I, I want to stress that like, eventually we're going to have enough dual threat quarterbacks and the ability for these guys to, to have you know, 12 to 15 different guys. We might even be there this year, uh, 12 to 15 different guys where we feel very, very good about their ability to be a top three or top four true difference maker at the quarterback position. Um, but, you know, overall, it's really that like, you know, what, what we've seen the last couple of seasons, uh, not only are those high end guys just performing well, uh, but there's a really, really big drop off like after that QB 12 spot. Um, and that's just forcing, you know, ADP to get higher. And I actually agree with, with that logic and why quarterbacks are being drafted earlier. And so a follow up to that then is because cause we're going to really kind of break down some of these, you know, late round guys and guys that you can find outside the top 12. But, you know, our listeners have have heard Sean and I talk about guys in that nine to 12 range, guys like Brady, Wilson, Stafford and Rogers. Where are you on those four guys in particular, just in terms of uh, are you extremely high in any or low on any of those guys? Or are the are those guys you're, you're targeting kind of in, in that tier 
um, just all around. Yeah. You know, like I said, last couple of years, this range has been really, really profitable. I mean, we had like Josh Allen a couple of years ago, we've had Aaron Rodgers in this range. We've had Tom Brady in this range. So it's been a, it's been a profitable range overall. Um, you know, I, I, it depends on your ADP source, of course, but of the guys that you mentioned, I think that my favorite of that group is Russ. Um, you know, you get you Tampa Bay loses some weapons. They're almost definitely going to have some uh, regression in the passing department. They're just not going to throw as many times as they did last year, maybe even the year before that. Not, not only because of the weapons, but the coaching change as well. Um, the Rams last season scored 80% of their touchdowns through the air, which is another uh, you know metric that tends to regress year over year. Matthew Stafford had his highest touchdown rate of his career, which, you know, of course he had great weapons and I'm not, I'm not downplaying that whatsoever, but it's just, these numbers generally do regress year over year. Uh, Stafford himself was, was just throwing the ball at an insane rate at the goal line. Uh, he was second uh, in the NFL in goal line attempts. So, you know, those numbers tend to, are just very difficult to sustain, you know, year after uh, season after season, Aaron Rodgers loses Devonte Adams. I know that his splits have been fine without Adams, but there is still at least some concern when you lose the best wide receiver in the game. Uh, and so it really comes down to Russ. You get a new system. He's not handcuffed by Pete Carroll anymore. Hopefully, you know, you don't get that uh, from this coaching staff. Amazing weapons there. And, you know, there's the upside of what if we see him escape the pocket a little bit more than what he's done over the last few seasons. So I think of that group, you know, not only is Russ like the most he's easy to stack too. I mean, there's these like tertiary players that you can get later with him as well. Um, but of that group, I think that he's the one who has the the most upside. Yeah, I think Russ is is kind of the most interesting for me for redraft. I, I do like Aaron Rodgers in best ball, um, just because he's so cheap to stack now with his pass catchers. Now that you have no Adams, uh, Sean, real quick, what about you? Uh, out of the out of Brady, Wilson, Stafford, Rodgers, uh, who's your favorite? I mean, you left off my favorite, which is Jalen Hurts just above him. Uh, but if he's <laughs> off the board, I always say Tom Brady's a nice fallback option. Or I go JJ's plan and I punt QB completely. Or, you know, I get Trey Lance later on. But just one thing to point out, just when it comes to in-season streaming, I'm typically able to get like a, generate a QB8 just from streaming alone. So um, that's that's one way to go about it. Uh, and that's that's also kind of why I like two QB super flex leagues because it makes quarterback valuable as it should be. Um, so in like a two QB league, yeah, I'm targeting Brady. And like you said, Rogers, he's cheap to stack with those cheap receivers. Uh, so I do like him in best ball as well. Uh, you mentioned Trey Lance. So let's jump right into the Konami codes, uh, as we <laughs> like to call them. Uh, JJ. I really want to get your opinion on Trey Lance because, um, you know, ever since I've kind of, you know, followed your stuff and, and you know he seems to kind of be that like he fits the mold perfectly of that original late round quarterback that that you kind of pointed out back in 2012 where you know he's outside the top 12 we're kind of sleeping on him a little bit he's got this rushing ability so JJ where are you on Trey Lance you know is he going too low at QB 14 in, in fantasy pros ADP yeah, I, I think that's way too low. Uh, I think he's a top 10 quarterback fairly easily, too. I know, look, a lot of people have seen the arguments, you know, they're they're questioning his uh, his arm. Uh, they're questioning his ability there. And my retort back is always, OK, well, look at Jalen Hurts last year, right? Look at Jalen Hurts last two years since he entered the league. Uh, it doesn't matter, right? It's not that big of a deal. Even if Trey Lance is not this machine with his arm, he can still walk into a top seven, top eight season at quarterback, if not more. You know, if he gets some of that rushing touchdown fortune, which Jalen Hurts got a little bit last year, um, you know, last season, we saw that glimpse from from uh, from Trey Lance where he got the two starts. 
He ran the ball 24 times in those two games, which is uh, a rushing attempt per game average. That's uh, a rush, rush attempt per game average is better than what we've seen from Lamar Jackson throughout his career. Uh, he scored 14.6 and 19.1 points in those two games. But if you recall, I mean, everyone probably remembers this, but he was an inch away from scoring that rushing touchdown in that game. I think it was against Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those numbers could have looked even better. And it's not like he was this superior passer in those contests. It's just that scoring really favors mobile quarterbacks. It favors these rushing quarterbacks. Um, and so and not only that, but this is a system, the San Francisco system, where uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was second in the NFL last year in yards per attempt. And Jimmy Garoppolo currently can't even find a job in the NFL. Um, you know, maybe it has to do with the injury, but of course, or maybe it has to do with the injury. But at the same time, I mean, what does that say? It says that the system is likely pretty good. I mean, it's a system that's really predicated on uh, on uh, creating yards after uh, the catch, right? And they they draft guys like Brandon Ayuk, who can do that really well. Obviously, Debo is probably the best in the NFL at that. George Kittle is unbelievable with the ball in his hands. And so he's got this system. He's got these weapons. He can run the ball and they're going to utilize him on the ground like that. Like you said, Raybon, he's like the quintessential late round quarterback. Um, I, I honestly think that you could be drafting him comfortably over even like a Tom Brady. I think he's more in like the Joe Burrow range uh, from from a redraft standpoint. I'd be fine with taking him over Dak. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I just think that it's logical to. I mean, we've seen this year after year after year with these guys. And, and this just feels so much like how a lot of us felt about Lamar Jackson during his first full season as starter. It just it just seems, you know, I'm, I don't think he's going to be Trey Lance is going to be nearly as prolific as a rusher as Lamar Jackson is. And obviously that's that MVP season that he had that Lamar had. Uh, he was unbelievable as a passer, which he hasn't even be, been able to replicate since. Um, but again, Trey Lance has the system. He has weapons. I don't know why you wouldn't just go hard for Trey Lance especially at a price tag where he's a QB too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll weigh in, but, but Sean, what do you, I, I really, I agree with JJ on this, but uh, where are you on, on Trey? Yeah. I mean, obviously I loved him last year. I was probably a year too early <laughs> on him, but I mean, you got to love the blend of rushing ability and arm talent, especially when you get, get him outside of the QB one range, you know, QB 14 is criminal. The, the only reason I'm cautiously all in is because they still have Jimmy G who knows what's going to happen if they can't get rid of him. That's, that's going to suck. But Kyle Shanahan reiterated today that Trey Lance will be their starting quarterback. So things like that, you know, made me feel comfortable targeting him here, but he also has those weapons. I mean, JJ mentioned them, but Debo Samuel, George Kittle. I mean, those are elite talents. Brandon Ayuk is pretty solid for your number three target. Um, so I love the upside you get here. Uh, it, very little risk taking him in this range so yeah i'm cautiously all in on lance right here i don't even think we need caution anymore i mean Kyle shanahan's out here talking about jimmy g in the past tense this man brought him to the super bowl <laughs> and is still on a roster and he's yeah. like yeah not, nice to know you bro like it's i think it's around i mean we've seen kyle shanahan do this with with nick mullins <laughs> and, and cj Bethard, right. or i don't even know how to pronounce his name like yeah there's there's a there's a stat at one point where it was like you look at the the, the top twenty quarterbacks over the last few years in 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 net yard average adjusted net yards per attempt and like there's three niner quarterbacks on that list heading into last year I think it was so you know this system is amazing you guys mentioned mm-hmm. it the weapons are great and he's got that rushing ability and the more he struggles as a passer the more they're gonna run with him he's anti fragile like it this is just this is the guy this is this is why you look at like that QB nine to 12 range and you're like, 
Tom Brady, eh, okay. Like yeah. Aaron Rodgers, eh. You know, like those are great quarterbacks, but they don't run as much, uh, you know, save for Russ. Um, and I, I just think as long as the ADP is giving me Trey Lance, when I could, could be the last person in a one, you know, a one QB week to draft my QB and I could get Trey Lance, like that's like, that's a cheat code right there. Like, yeah, I, I think the other thing, too, is that people are concerned a lot with players like this for their floor. Like they're worried that they're not going to get any sort of production from these guys because, you know, they might be bad. Right. They, like Trey Lance could be a bad quarterback. We have no idea. But the rushing component actually gives these guys a floor. Mm-hmm. And what provides the ceiling is if they are a truly you know dominant or good passer, which is then we get those unicorn seasons like we did with Lamar Jackson during mm-hmm. his second year. So that's always a possibility with Trey Lance. I mean, we've seen it historically. We know the system's there. That's why he's just a slam dunk pick. All right, let's move on to the second guy in this kind of Konami code here. And I don't think slam dunk is the right word for this guy, but I am kind of warming up to him for that. The exact reasons that you kind of talk about, JJ. It's like he does have the rushing ability, but he just, it's like he doesn't have the supporting cast around him that, that Lance does or, or the coaching staff or whatnot. So, Justin Fields. Uh, that's who I'm talking about. Uh, JJ, like, where are you on Fields entering year two? Yeah, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, he's like diet Trey Lance, right? Like you're, yeah. you're basically hoping, <laughs> hoping to score points in a very, very similar fra- fashion. I'm in on Fields, though, at his price right now. I think that he should be more in like the QB 14-ish range, maybe mm-hmm. even like QB 13. Uh, but he's being drafted at QB 17. Uh, you know, over his final four games that he completed last year, which is when they had like the coordinator shifts and the play calling shifts and such. Uh, he was putting up low end QB one numbers. Uh, he was, he was averaging eight and a half rush attempts per game. Uh, he was adding almost eight points per game on the ground alone during that time. Um, you know, I, I think that we can continue to see that this year. I just don't think that he has the same type of upside as Trey Lance. We, we haven't seen the system really in place with Justin Fields, obviously, but it's really, really hard to back sort of like an organization too, uh, but, but like the weapons in general, I mean, Byron Pringle being the two, uh, you know, Cole Komet hopefully takes a step forward and Darnell Mooney's great. Um, but there's not a lot of depth there at wide receiver. Um, and you have to question just an organization from a building perspective when they draft a guy like Bayless Jones, uh, who's a 25 year old rookie, uh, wide receiver. You just have to question, do they know what they're doing? And the, I, I don't know if I have the answer to that. So there's a little bit uh, you know, I'm a little bit afraid from that perspective as well. But I do think, again, like, don't worry about the floor necessarily. You shouldn't really worry about floor for quarterbacks and single quarterback leagues to begin with, for the most part, because like Sean alluded to, you can you can stream pretty, pretty reliably. Uh, it's been a little bit more difficult the last couple of years, but it's still, you know, you can still get that like QBA, QB9. Uh, but Fields will at least, you know, should have uh, the ability to get there with his rushing as long as that maintains from the, 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 uh, the second portion of, the, of last season. Um, but, you know, if he if he progresses as a as a passer, then, you know, we could see him being in that like mid range QB one area. Whereas I think Trey Lance from a ceiling perspective has like top two or three quarterback in his range of outcomes. Yeah, like looking at ADP, it almost seems like Trey Lance should be where J- Jalen Hurts is. And then Justin Field should be where Trey Lance is like everyone like these these mobile quarterbacks are like a tier two low. Right? Like, hey, where, should, uh, where should Jalen Hurts be then? Like. Two. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <Agreed>. <laughs> nah, but like you get what I'm saying, all right? But yeah. so Sean, um, you know, because we've talked about this, like it's tough to like anything around fields. Like, even with yeah. the coaching staff, like this is an unproven coaching staff. 
Um, I, like JJ said, I, I do like Darnell Mooney. I think he's criminally underrated. I think he's a very good receiver, but they really don't have anything else on the offensive line. Um, you know, the receiving room, I mean, Equinemia St. Brown might be a starter. Like, I, <laughs> so Sean, like, how do you kind of factor all these things into your projections for fields and where does he kind of land? Yeah. So, I mean, any negatives you have with Justin Fields aren't his fault. It's the organization's mm-hmm. fault. So, you know, they lost Allen Robinson. So they brought in Byron Pringle and drafted Velas Jones. Like they did a terrible job um, surrounding Fields of talent, and they still have arguably the worst offensive line, yeah. uh, which is going to be brutal for Fields. But if anything, that's going to force them to run more. Uh, so the only reason you take him here is due to his rushing upside. And he's still, you know, a talented passer. So he'll probably be able to make the most of what is a shitty situation. So I think that, yeah, QB 17, um, that's the range where it's okay to, you know, bank on a guy's upside. And if he doesn't pan out, so be it. But you know, as a talent, I still love Fields and, you know, the, the bear, shame on the Bears for giving him like zero help. But I think just given his rushing upside, that that's going to be able to overcome a lot of the obstacles that he has, unfortunately, going into year two. Yeah. When I, when I look at Fields and, and to be clear, I would, I would he's another guy just like Trey Lance. I would I would draft him well above ADP. Um, JJ mentioned it probably should be about three, four spots higher. Um, but here's why I like Justin Fields and, and JJ, you kind of alluded to it. Uh, week nine at Pittsburgh, 17 of 29, 291 yards and a touchdown, uh, eight for 45 on the ground. He got hurt in the Baltimore game, comes back week 14, 18 of 33, 224 yards, two scores against Green Bay with 74 on the ground. And then, and then the last game he starts, uh, 26 of 39, 285 yards, one touchdown, uh, and then another 35 on the ground. Those are his last three games where he and he finally got volume in the first like five, six starts that he made. He really wasn't. He was he had training wheels on like when he got normal volume, like a normal quarterback. It took a normal amount of dropbacks, which now that there's a new coaching staff, we can't say we, we can't think that he won't. He was he was a productive, decent guy where at least he had a floor even when he wasn't playing well. Or their team wasn't playing well. And I think the defense is going to be bad, too. So. I think he will get like a decent amount of dropbacks. And if he runs even better. So yeah, I love me some Justin Fields. this year. And then the third guy in his Konami covering. Deshaun Watson, JJ, will he play? Man, up until about like three weeks ago, <laughs> I, I, I thought it was going to be, a, I thought it was going to be a, a season long thing. Yeah. Uh, like pretty confidently too. Uh-huh. Like, like, but the NFL, you can't really use logic with these suspensions a lot of times. And you just, you know, you don't understand it. Um, but you know, I, I think that with Watson, if you're looking to draft him, you know, I do think that you have to give, uh, your situation some context and you have to understand what's going on within your league and and the kind of league that you're drafting in. You know, if you're talking best ball, I would not be drafting Deshaun Watson with only one other quarterback. I'd I'd only be getting in with a a three quarterback build. Um, and you know, and then when, when we're talking about a regular season long league, we have to remember that this is not like having a player drafting a player at a discount like Alvin Kamara, where you know w- with him, you know th- there might be a suspension, there might not be a sp- suspension. We don't fully know yet, but his position is just so valuable in fantasy football. And so mm-hmm. with, with Kamara, you know you're getting him. Let's say like if this if a six game suspension happens or something, and you get him in like the fifth round or something like that, you're getting massive value when he's actually playing, and you get that replacement level player uh, when he's not playing. But when it comes to Watson, you know, that baseline replacement level player at quarterback is a lot higher. It's a lot better. 
And so the advantage that you're really getting with a player like Watson just isn't as strong as what you're going to get from a running back or a wide receiver. I mean, we saw with like Le'Veon Bell, he was seemingly like suspended or something like for like five straight years in Pittsburgh. And, you know, it just seemed like every year there was something going on and people would hold on to him. And, and that opportunity cost and holding on to a player like that makes a lot more sense than holding on to a player like Watson. Like if Watson gets eight games, let's say, let's say that he's out for about half the year, you know, that's eight games where you're holding him onto your bench and there's a cost involved in that. There's a cost in holding that bench spot because you're not able to, to fill up that, that roster uh, with guys off the waiver wire. So what I would say is it depends on how deep then your bench really is within your league. Like if you have a four team bench uh, and you're using that with Deshaun Watson, who plays a position in fantasy football, that really is not that big of a deal. And you can get a guy like Trey Lance who realistically could produce fairly similar numbers in terms of fantasy production as a Deshaun Watson, who, by the way, didn't even play last year. Um, you know, I, I would much rather just go that route and have that uh, that spot on my bench. Um, but, you know, I understand the upside and I understand, you know, from like a, a tournament standpoint and such in a best ball format, having that for that like big week 16, week 17. I totally understand that logic. But I think in a regular uh, managed, like typical home league that a lot of people play in, it's going to be really tough for me to draft a guy like Watson when I know that quarterback is, is relatively replaceable. And you're going to want to use that bench, especially during the front half of the season when so much crazy stuff is going on in your waiver wire. Yeah, I agree. It's just hard because he doesn't even go into the IR slot. Like, you know, a normal injured player, sometimes mm-hmm. nowadays leagues are giving you these IR slots, especially once COVID hit, like a lot of weeks kind of changed it up and like they'll give you one or even two sometimes slots where you're not really, it's not really counting against your roster, but Watson would be suspended. So he's not injured. So that there's really no way to like productively stash him unless you have a ridiculous uh, bench. But uh, Sean, I'll ask you uh, over under 0.5 games suspended per charge. Like, per oh, count. Uh, <laughs> can you just start, like you're making something? me do math on the, uh, so <laughs> we'll get, we'll, we'll get 12 or more games, essentially. 12 <laughs> we'll or get, more games? Yeah, like, um, man, it's impossible to say, right? It sounds like it'll be under, uh, but either way, this is a decision that you personally have to make based on your risk tolerance. Um, I've been staying away. I am confident in my ability to construct my roster, to manage my team in season, to not really bank on Deshaun Watson only getting four games. Um, it really is frustrating when it comes to say like an Amari Cooper, you, you still have to project him out you know, how many games will Deshaun Watson play has a huge impact on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in general, you know, this is something that hopefully we get clarity on soon and we don't have to be, you know, wringing our brains around this. But uh, as of right now, just based on everything you guys said, it, it's probably not worth the risk where, you know, someone like Alvin Kamara probably is. So Deshaun Watson, I personally have not been drafting him at all. Uh, but in, based on the league, based on your risk tolerance, there, there are spots where I can, you know, get behind it. Yeah. Until we know it concretely, that he won't be suspended for the year. I yeah. don't think you want to touch him. Cause even in best ball, I mean, like what are you, you're either going to have to draft a third quarterback, which I personally don't think you should be doing, or you're going to already cut yourself off from half the season, even if he does play. So yep. it's, it's really tough to find a spot for him, but um, let's go to this next tier. I, I, I kind of call him the high upside pocket passer <laughs> tier. Um, Great you know, description. Very apt. You know, I mean, no, there's because there's three there's three guys in this tier and each of them. You have reasons to like them. It's Derek Carr at QB 13. It's Kirk Cousins at QB 15 and then Tua Tungavailoa at QB 16. Um, So I want to talk about each of these guys somewhat in depth. 
so JJ, let's start with Carr. I, I think, you know, when I look at him, I'm, you know, I, I think like, can he be this year's Matthew Stafford, uh, especially with Adams now until like, there's usually one of those pocket passers that's completely unsexy that goes outside the top 12 and kind of inches into like that 11, 10, nine spot. Like, is that Carr this year? I mean, it might be it, like, th- this is one of those things that, that I, you know, this is why I, I strive for uh, the mobility at the quarterback position mm-hmm. and, the, and the rushing at the quarterback position. Cause you mentioned Matthew Stafford. I think if you were to pull someone like or just a random, random sample of fantasy players, like casual fantasy managers, and you were to say, you know, where did Matthew Stafford rank in points per game last year? Where did Joe Burrow rank mm-hmm. in points per game last year? A lot of people would probably say, oh, they were top five quarterbacks in fantasy, but they, they weren't, you know, they're, they're low end QB ones. And that's generally the kind of ceiling that you will end up getting from these players unless one of two things happens. You either get an absurd amount of volume across the entire season, which volume doesn't even necessarily drive things you know, nearly as much at the quarterback position as people think. But you know, if you do get an absurd season like we did last year with Tom Brady and volume, and he was efficient too, don't get me wrong. But if you get that kind of volume, it's going to be helpful. Uh, but then on top of that, it's really touchdown variance, right? It's really touchdown rate. Um, and, and, you know, touchdown rate is a metric, you know, it's just touchdowns about it by attempts. It's a metric that does tend to regress year over year, but better quarterbacks are going to be a little bit better in the touchdown rate statistic. You know, Russell Wilson's been really, really efficient uh, in touchdown rate throughout his career. We should expect that moving forward because he's a really good quarterback. But, you know, if you get over like the 6% mark, the 6.5% mark, you can expect a little bit of regression there. And if you look at Derek Carr and his, his entire career, he's, he's never really been that guy ever throughout his career. Um, and so I do think there's at least some concern if Carr, you know, I, I personally think that Carr has gone from being overrated, you know, early in his career to then underrated. And it's just, it's been a really weird uh, career trajectory for him from like a real NFL standpoint. And so maybe the market reflects that in some way with him in fantasy. Um, but I, I really think that, that, you know, sure. Is he one of these, you know, high upside pocket passers this year that I could see having a decent season and being a low end QB one for sure. I mean, he's got Devonte Adams. He's got Darren Waller. He's got Hunter Renfro. He's got a really good trio to throw to. And hopefully this offensive system can help him. Um, but is he like the guy within this group that I'm absolutely targeting? I just don't think it's necessary because really what this comes down to with a lot of these pocket passers is that touchdown variance. John, where are you on car? I think similar of him, you know, he's coming off a career high 4,800 passing yards last year. I think we're going to see some regression there. I'm projecting him closer to 4,500. But when it comes to passing touchdowns, that's where I think Devontae Adams will help him out. I mean, he hasn't topped 30 passing touchdowns since uh, 2015, but I have him right there this year because I think, you know, when you look at that, he's still going to have Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. Um, You know, they're, they're good in the red zone, but he really hasn't had that other option. Last season, he had 12 end zone targets to Brian Edwards and Zay Jones, and they caught one of those for a touchdown. So, I mean, having Devontae Adams is going to add a handful of touchdowns, I think, over Brian Edwards and Zay Jones. Um, And it's just going to be hard for defenses to cover all three guys when they're healthy. So um, that's why I thought your description of him as a, you know, high ceiling pocket passer is pretty apt this year, because normally you, you would draft cards just because he has a pretty high floor, but I just think with Adams there, I'm not saying he's going to have a 40 touchdown season, but I think, you know, it's 50, 50 odds. He'll crack 30. So I think he does have that upside with those yards that are, he's going to have a ton yards again this year where he, he definitely could sneak into that QB one tier this year. Yeah. Like I'm comfortable 
you know, because I always try to look at, you know, JJ, you mentioned at the top something I thought was really important about how, you know, there's really not a big spread between all these guys in terms of their, their scoring. So what I like to do is look at certain players at their ADPs and say, how can I replicate this production later? And maybe it's not Brady because I, Brady's just, you know, he's in a class of his own. Uh, but when I look at a guy like Matthew Stafford going at QB 11, I'm like, I, I can wait a few more. Like, I'm fine just completely passing on him, like getting zero Matthew Stafford this year. And if I got Derek Carr every single time instead, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that at all. So that that's kind of where I am on Carr. I love him in best ball because I do think, you know, you can kind of stack him with those receivers. It's not cheap, but um, you know, if, if, you, if there's any quarterback that's going to kind of have a great season because of his receivers and yeah. because of that bump, it is Derek Carr. Um, so that, that's kind of I'm a, the way I'm approaching him. But there's another quarterback that the second guy I mentioned, Kirk Cousins, JJ, I mean, he was already kind of balling these last, I mean, Justin Jefferson, crazy, right? You get Justin Jefferson, all of a sudden you're throwing 68 touchdowns and 20 picks uh, over the last two years. And now you get Kevin O'Connell. Uh, you know, coming over so offensive minded coach finally after the Zimmer era. Um, you know, maybe he actually likes Kirk Cousins this time. You know, maybe <laughs> Kirk Cousins will finally have a coach that likes him. Um, but I, I'm intrigued. I will say this: I'm intrigued by Cousins. You know, with O'Connell, with Jefferson, Thielen's still out here catching touchdowns. Irv Smith should be back. He still got Dalvin Cook. KJ Osborne was a good number three as well. So um, I, I like Cousins. But what do you think uh, of Kirk heading into this year? Yeah, look, I mean, you mentioned the arbitrage with like Derek Carr to Stafford. I feel the same way about Cousins. Like if you want to even wait a little bit more, yep. I mean, it's not like it's that <laughs> dramatic, but it's it's like they're in this like same grouping. And so I, I prefer Cousins at ADP over Carr at ADP, right? I, I think yep. they're in the same like tier-ish, uh, you know, if you were to, to look at it from that perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, we, we generally need semi-outlier seasons from these pocket quarterbacks for them to be like really valuable in fantasy football. We need touchdowns. We need higher touchdown rates. Um, and you're getting the uh, coordinator from L.A. that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Matthew Stafford last year had one of the highest pass rates uh, at the goal line. And that really drove that 80 percent pass to rush touchdown rate uh, that that uh, the Rams had. Um, and so really what you're look, looking at this and you're saying, OK, Minnesota, what if they pass a little bit more? What if they're a little bit more aggressive at the goal line through the air? Uh, then all of a sudden you can see Kirk Cousins being essentially this year's uh, Matthew Stafford. And, and and don't downplay Justin Jefferson at all either, uh, because the last two years, as you alluded to, Raybon, the last two years, Kirk Cousins has been a low-end QB1 in points per game with Justin Jefferson in the mix. So, I mean, we've seen this before from Cousins. I think that, you know, I don't generally draft guys this, you know, this late in, in the double-digit rounds just for them to, like, meet expectation or just gain a little bit of value, because you're not necessarily going to win your fantasy leagues that way. But from, like, a best ball standpoint, like that's that's okay to have Kirk Cousins, especially as like your QB two, where we know that he can have these spiked weeks. You know, if you're looking at it from a tournament perspective, he gets a, a favorable week 17 matchup that could be high scoring. Um, and so I, I just think Cousins is in a really, really good spot this year to at least exceed ADP. I, I don't know if he's going to be like QB seven, but maybe he gets into like that QB nine range. You know, maybe he can get there. And I feel similarly about Derek Carr. And so if I'm looking at the two of them and Cousins is a little bit cheaper, I'm just going to prefer Cousins over a guy like Carr. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, it's like, it's like car is the Stafford cousins is the car. It's like, <laughs> at some point you probably have to take a quarterback, but <laughs> yeah. uh, Sean, uh, what do you think of cousins? I mean, you know, he, he's got he's, everything around him looks pretty good. 
Yeah, no, I think that the scheme change is going to help. Uh, should be more up-tempo, pass-heavy offense. He's still linked up with arguably the best receiver in football right now, Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen should still be a reliable red zone target. And he gets my boy Irv Smith back this year. I think that's going to be huge. I still love Irv Smith's upside. And it sounds like they're trying to get Dalvin Cook more involved in the passing game. So what's not to like about Cousins? I will say, though, when it comes to like Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins, I think of them as like two QB leagues, super flex league specialists. I mean, they, they provide a super high floor. You can project them for all 17 games because they're pocket passers, not running around, um, getting hit. You know, like they're, they're way more likely to stay healthy all 17 games. And they do provide sneaky upside this year. So I think these two guys, like I love them in two QB and super flex leagues. I think they're super valuable for that. And then, like I said, like best ball, I love Viking stacks, stacking with Kirk Cousins. If you get Justin Jefferson uh, Thielen, Irv Smith. Like I, I love Viking stacks because of this new scheme. So here's the here's the toughest one. Because <laughs> like Tua, man, like I it's like I love Tyreek. That's one of my that's been one of my favorite players yeah. since he entered the league. He's uh, he's gonna change everything about that Miami offense just because he's got so much grab. He's like Steph Curry. Like he just changes the way that the the entire passing game will be defended. But with that being said. Um, you know, just from a purely statistical standpoint, there's not a like, lot to like about what Tua has done thus far in the National Football League. Just 6.6 yards per attempt over uh, 600 and, you know, close to 680 attempts in the league thus far. Uh, 27 touchdowns, 15 picks, you know, touchdown rate of 4%. Nothing really jumps out. QBR has been under 50 um, you know, so JJ, I mean, you know, you mentioned, you know, you could go from Stafford to Carr, you could go from Carr to Cousins if you're, if you're not, if you can't get a, uh, you know, a, a mobile guy. But do you feel the same way about Tua because of Tyreek, or are, are you a little, a little bit more down on him? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that the, the, the bear case form you kind of laid out, I mean, like we, we don't know if he's really it yet. Whereas we have a better sample, we have a better idea of how good. You know Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins can mm-hmm. be, um, but if you want to look at the bullish case with with Tua, um, you know part of the reason that his numbers have been so bad is that it's not really his deep ball ability; it's his deep ball tendency. He's just not mm-hmm. throwing it deep uh, at a high rate whatsoever. Over the last two years, the average across the NFL in fifteen plus air yard throws has been about seventeen percent. So quarterbacks are throwing seventeen of their seventeen percent of their passes, fifteen or more air yards. Tua two years ago as a rookie was at 14.8%. Last year he was at 13%. So he was, he was just dinking and dunking. That's why Jalen Waddle was able to do what he did last year as well, uh, you know, uh, with, uh, in terms of his reception total. Um, but it's the same deal too, if you want to look at 20 plus air yards. Um, but regardless of how you look at it, his completion percentage on those throws has actually been pretty strong. He's been better than like a Derek Carr. He's been better than a Tom Brady in completion percentage on them. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson. And so I'm not saying he's a better deep ball passer than them. Uh, you know, obviously, if he's not taking those shots as frequently and a lot of those guys are, are taking more risks, then chances are their completion percentage is likely dropping a little bit. But at the same time, it's it's at least interesting that he's shown that, that, that he might be able to uh, throw it deep. But then the other thing, too, is, you know, I don't know if we actually see the aggression that, you know, we're I'm talking about here and that we're alluding to within this Mike McDaniel offense, because Mike McDaniel is coming from uh, that Kyle Shanahan tree. uh, And in that San Francisco offense, like I talked about earlier, you know, they just like to get their playmakers in space, which is why I think 
they wanted a player like Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill isn't just a deep threat like people mm-hmm. think. I mean, he's he's very good at creating. I mean, he, he can play running back realistically. Um, and so, you know, he can catch he can catch passes close to the line of scrimmage as Jalen Waddle did last year, create a lot of yards after the catch. And that might not really do it, you know, from a fantasy perspective and, and to increase these numbers for Tua. Uh, and so I do think that there's at least that concern where, you know, in fantasy, you know, I've seen a lot of people talk about how like the, the market generally can dictate, you know, if if, uh, if uh, multiple wide receivers and a tight end are being drafted in the top 12 and the top 24, whatever, uh, then that quarterback generally does well, like like Alex Smith back when he was in Kansas City. Um, you know, he would have like Tyreek getting drafted early and Travis Kelsey being drafted early. So so Alex Smith is bound to do well in fantasy. And we generally do see that within the market. The market is telling us that Tua you know, should be like a, t- a fringe top 12 quarterback. Um, but I, I do think that we should still be at least a little bit concerned uh, that this offense is really going to sort of fit what Tua has done and done well the first couple of years in the league, which is be, be an accurate passer and not really throw the ball down the field that much. And what that does is it, it, the, the pass catchers on the team can still be fine in like a half PPR or a full PPR format because they're getting so many looks just overall. They're just not getting those chunk plays. Um, and so that's where the concern, I think, is and lies with Tua right now. I would still prefer uh, a car or a Cousins over him, but I at least understand the allure because if they do air it out a little bit and throw the ball down the field, I think that Tua, if he does get aggressive, I think that he might be okay. Yeah, it's just it's like you wonder how much of that was a function of just they didn't have that guy, you right. know, like they have yeah. Tyreek Hill. But, you know, there is a certain stickiness even to that, like deep pass attempt, um, you know, tendency like, you know, certain guys that like to get the ball out and throw underneath tend to continue to do that. Um, but it would it, he should be more efficient. Like he shouldn't average six point six yards per attempt. Yeah. Like he should he should get to at least seven this year. Um, Sean, do you kind of agree right. with that sentiment? Yeah, I think, you know, there were a lot of reasons why they didn't allow him to throw the ball downfield. One of them was the offensive line was terrible. You could tell just the way they would game plan was around the offensive line being terrible. And, you know, they brought in Will Fuller, the deep threat specialist, to sit on the IR all, all season. So that didn't really help Tua out. So I think, you know, it, it's almost the opposite of Justin Fields, where I feel like the Dolphins did everything possible uh, to help Tua out entering year three. Uh, they even revamped the offensive line. You know, they brought in, Tron Armstead, Connor Williams. So I think he will have more time to throw the ball downfield. And honestly, you don't have to with Tyreek Hill. Just giving Tyreek Hill a slant five yards out, he can take yeah. it to the house. Same thing with Jalen Waddle. Like both of those guys on the field at the same time is scary. So um, yeah, I love Tua's upside in this range. He's far thing from a slam dunk, you know, compared to like a, a car cousins. But I, I just love what the Dolphins did to surround him. And, you know, the bring over the 49ers scheme that we're talking about is so good when it comes to Trey Lance. So um, it's up to two of this year. It's a make or break year for him, but they they really set the table up for him in year three. Yeah, um, you know, I'm he's going at QB 16. I think like at there I'm kind of neutral on him I, only because like, you could get Justin Fields right now at QB 17. So that's you know, I mean, and that's kind of the thing with all these guys, which is why we're just trying to differentiate them. But of the three two, I think I'm still the lowest on him. I'm. Still the most questions, um, you know, of, of those three guys that, that you could take that aren't going to really be running too much. But um, let's let's jump into this next one. And this one, we don't have to go through each guy too in depth. But uh, JJ, I just I call this tier like the young guns. You know, you have Trevor Lawrence entering year two. You got Mac Jones entering year two. And you got Zach Wilson entering year two as well. QB 18 is Lawrence. Mac Jones is at QB 20. 
And then Zach is at 24. Uh, out of those three, if you just had a draft one, uh, which one would it be? I, I would go with Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, of the three. You know, every ounce of research that I've done says that how a player does during his rookie season is, is pretty predictive of how he's going to be throughout the rest of his career. But I, I do think that with Lawrence, uh, who was an unbelievable prospect, uh, we know that he fell into objectively uh, one of the, the worst situations imaginable in year one, not only from like a personnel standpoint, but obviously a coaching standpoint. Um, and so, you know, his touchdown rate was obscenely low last year. That's something that's absolutely going to regress. He's going to throw more touchdowns this year. I would lock that in. Uh, it's almost impossible to not throw uh, as many touchdowns as he did or throw as, as few touchdowns as he did last season. Um, and, and of these three guys, I think Trevor Lawrence brings the most rushing juice. Uh, he was a, a super athletic guy in college. He ran the ball a decent bit in college. He showed that off a little bit last year. He had 73 rushes, 334 yards in the ground. Um, I, I don't see that ever happening with Mac Jones. Uh, you know, maybe Zach Wilson can show that off a little bit, but we're seeing more change in, in, from an environment standpoint. I know that the Jets obviously added some weapons for Zach Wilson, and I'm not saying that Zach Wilson's going to bust or anything. I'm just saying from a from a uh, an organizational change uh, and, and a scheme change, etc. It, it's completely different for Trevor Lawrence this year. Uh, you know, he has a a coach now that has uh, helped quarterbacks be more efficient and be better, not only in real football, but from in, in fantasy football as well. Um, you know, we joke about the contracts they get, gave out some of their weapons. And I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that like the Christian Kirk deal was a great deal, but Christian Kirk, you know, he, he performed fairly well last year. Uh, you know, I don't know how they're going to line him up because he did a lot of his work from the slot. And then they go and get Evan Ingram, who's going to also operate in that area of the field. Uh, but Travis Etienne's healthy. You know, Marvin Jones is still good. Um, you know, the weapons are there. It's, it's, it's a way, way better situation for Trevor Lawrence. And again, of these three, I think that he's just going to bring objectively the most rushing juice to John, same question, Lawrence, uh, Jones or Wilson. I think of these three, I got to go with Zach Wilson. I just think he offers the most value at ADP since he's going later than, you know, the other two, but he has the best pass catching talent surrounding him out of the three as well. You know, he's got Elijah Moore. I'm high on Elijah Moore. Entering year two, Garrett Wilson, um, he was my top receiver from this class. And Corey Davis isn't a bad number three receiver to have. Even Braxton Berrios is pretty sneaky at number four uh, wide receiver. And, you know, they added two uh, decent tight ends, I would call them, and CJ Uzoma and Tyler Conklin. Um, so, And I think the scheme itself seemed to be pretty fancy friendly last year. Uh, Mike White and Josh Johnson both had 300-plus yard games. Joe Flacco threw for over 290 in his start. So I think the scheme... Uh, should set up well for Wilson. Um, I was a bit disappointed to not see him use his legs as much. I think we could see that near two. We've talked about Raybon, but he didn't have a 20 plus yard rushing game since week 14. And then once that happened, he had three in the final five games. So I think we will see him sort of untap his, his rushing upside, hopefully uh, this season. So I just think out of the three, he offers the most upside and value where he's going at QB 24. Yeah, I actually, I, Tend to agree. Um, you know, there, I mean, the six, the six spot difference between Lawrence and Wilson kind of does it for me because I, I do think Wilson has better um, weapons than Lawrence uh, in, in New York now with, and I, I think the line is actually will be pretty decent too. And yeah. um, you know, I thought Wilson played better down the stretch last year, you know, I, you know Lawrence, it's another new system. Um, you know, so there's just things that I think with the prices factored in, 
I do think it makes sense to 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 kind of take that gamble on Wilson. I will say this though, I think Matt Jones is actually going to have the best real life season. Yeah, yeah. of those yeah, three guys. Right. But he's yeah. just not. Yeah. It's just not like he he's gonna be. He's probably gonna be like super efficient. Like Matt Jones could be what we want Tua to be. Like he could put up. That's like his ceiling. But that's that's the point. That's his ceiling. It's like he's he's not really gonna run the ball. Um, I don't think he's gonna throw an exorbitant amount of touchdowns to really get into like that cousin cousins upside range or anything like that but i do think he'll have a a very efficient season just with no real rushing production uh all right let's do and then so this final tier uh, of three uh is the tier that i like to call the ogs they've they've been here for a while they're not you know they're not just young guns anymore uh matt ryan's at qb 21 you got Jameis at qb 22 and ryan Tannehill at qb 23 so same question, JJ, you got to pick one. Who's it going to be? Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think that each of these guys have uh, intriguing more so Matt Ryan and, and Tannehill uh, have intriguing uh, stacks, uh, you know, in best ball form. I guess Jameis does too. Cause I really like Chris Olave, but um, you know, I, I think that they're all like viable in best ball formats as a QB two, um, just depending on, on who that QB one is. But I think of these guys, um, I think Ryan Tannehill is probably the most intriguing at, at cost. Um, you know, the, the common theme throughout this show has been the mobility aspect of these, of these quarterbacks. Um, you know, last year we saw Ryan Tannehill's touchdown rate drop dramatically, um, but he still, you know, he sort of has that Josh Allen in him where you just sort of assume regression is going to hit with these rushing touchdowns and he just keeps uh, piling them on. He had four touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns, seven rushing touchdowns and seven t- rushing touchdowns over the last three seasons. Um, and, you know, over the last three years also, he was QB 15, 10 and nine in points per game. Now, I will say situationally and looking at his environment, I don't love it. I, I you, you have to be buying into or, or at least hope that Robert Woods can, uh, you know, be 100 percent, look 100 percent close to the start of the year. You have to hope that Traylon Burks lives up to expectation. They don't have that much outside of that. I am a Kyle Phillips stand. I got to throw that yo, out. There. That's do. Yo, that's what I do. He's going to be the slot receiver, right? Like, he's oh, yeah, gonna, 100%. 100%. He's it's gonna, you know, here's what's going to happen. It's going to be Robert Woods. It's going to be Westbrook Akina. It's going to be Kyle Phillips in the slot. And then everyone's just going to be like, damn, I, I drafted Traylon Burks. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah. sorry. Sorry. No, no. So, I mean, look, you're, you're, you're this late in the draft. I think that you should be throwing darts for upside. And if things break the right way, the offensive line is also pretty bad in Tennessee uh, at this point. And so if, but if things break the right way for some of these pass catchers in Tennessee, like if Traylon Burks is legit, if Robert Woods is healthy, um, you know, if Kyle Phillips does what I expect him to do in the slot, then all of a sudden, you know, the weapons aren't horrible. Um, and Tannehill does have the mobility. And if this offensive line is bad, he might escape the pocket a little bit more. So I do think that Tannehill is probably uh, the best option of these three. Not that I'm like, you know, jumping for joy to get any of these three quarterbacks. Strong stand question. You got Matty Ice, you got famous Jameis, and you got Kenny. Man, yuck. Yo, I have to take one though, right? I mean, this is got to. When when you're drafting <laughs> these guys, something went wrong. You know, maybe you uh were pretty aggressive at running back, tight end receiver, and you're begrudgingly taking one of these guys. I, I'm gonna have to go with Jameis Winston. I, I just think he offers the most upside in this range and you know um man weeks one through seven last year he he did look pretty good uh he ranked 17th in points per game and considering he probably had the worst pass pass catching talent around him (laughs) during that stretch last year and now he gets potentially 
you know, Michael Thomas for week one, Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave. So I do love the upgrade and talent around him. So uh, the, the one concern I would have with Winston is we probably won't see as much rushing upside coming off the ACL tear. So maybe that does cap his upside a bit, but I still think he has, you know, high end QB two sort of potential in this offense if, if things go according to plan. So I think out of these three, I don't love any of them, but you know, you're forcing me to pick. So I'm going to go Jameis Winston. Yeah, I, I'm going with Jameis as well. You know, I, I think that I look at his top three receivers and, you know, Michael Thomas, we still don't really know exactly what's going on with him, but like at some point you would think in this season for a good chunk of it, you would still expect him to have Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, who I, I love him too, JJ and uh, Jarvis Landry. So I, I just think, and then, and then Alvin Kamara probably is still back at some point, even if he gets a suspension. So I, I just like the weapons around him. I still think the O-line is average. I, I not a, like, I don't love Sean Payton, you know, just up and leaving. But, yeah. Car, I mean, we still, we've seen Pete Carmichael, run, uh, you know, coordinate that offense before in uh, the year Sean Payton was out. And then they threw a ton in, in that year. I mean, they had Drew Brees. But uh, you know, I think there was a lot of reasons to kind of be optimistic about Jameis, you know, even when they were hiding him last year. I mean, career high, 8.7% touchdown rate. Career low, 1.9% interception rate. Now, granted, that was on a small sample of 161 attempts, but everything was positive in terms of, you know, the the statistics and what he was able to do efficiency-wise. And that's all we're really looking for. I think Matt Ryan is going to be, is a good, good signing for the Colts. Like probably the best they could have done for what they want to do. But it's, I don't think it's going to translate to a ton of fantasy production. Mm -hmm. And then Tannehill like the receivers are thin as, as we kind of talked about, you know, it's, it's going to be the Derrick Henry show, but Winston it's like, if, if there's just some luck where, where they say, okay, we need to throw for whatever reason, like they could do it out there. They could air it out if they want to. And, and Jameis has the arm to do it too. So I, I, I'm just looking for upside if I'm picking a quarterback yeah. in this range. So I, I actually, I think I'd go Jameis as well. Uh, and, and let's close it with this. Let's close it with this. Uh, the, the special, the, the the guy outside the top 24 in ADP. Um, we'll each choose a, a, a player, or it could be two if there's if there's multiple guys. But JJ, like if you just had to take a Hail Mary dart throw on somebody that that's outside that top 24, somebody that we didn't talk about, uh, who would it be? Uh, this one's easily easy for me. It's Daniel Jones. Yeah. Uh, Jones Jones is actually like I like I think I have him ranked at like QB. QB 18 or something mm-hmm. like that. Guilty as well. Guilty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, same. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you build out projections, uh, it's like hard for Daniel Jones to not look like at least better than ADP. Uh, you know, last season, uh, he threw fewer than one touch passing touchdown per game, uh, but he ran for three fewer rushing yards per game than Kyler Murray did. Uh, he had the same number of points per game as Derek Carr last year. Daniel Jones did. And look, I'm not I'm not someone who just like looks at previous season numbers and that's that's how things go. Um, but I do think that it at least gives you some context that we probably just as a marketer undervaluing Jones, just given that he's produced decently well on the ground, um, you know, historically, you get this Dable upgrade, which is huge. You get better weapons there. Uh, you know, hopefully Kadarius Tony is healthy. Wandell Robinson can play the slot. Uh, Kenny Galladay hopefully is healthy. Saquon Barkley's back. The offensive line looks a lot better. Uh, there's just a lot to like. And, and the other thing too, what we saw with Dable, and I'm not, I'm certainly not projecting this to happen, but Josh Allen in Buffalo, right? 
I'm not saying that that Dimes is going to be Josh Allen, but what we saw from Josh Allen from a fantasy from, from a fantasy perspective that we loved is just this like don't care about my body attitude, just kind of go crazy on a football field. And Dable encouraged it, and we've already seen blurbs and and, and quotes from him encouraging Daniel Jones to do the same thing. And Daniel Jones has not the same Josh Allen skill set, but Josh Allen didn't like test well athletically. Like he wasn't this like freak athlete. He's just really good, uh, you know, running the football on, a, on the football field. Um, and we see sort of those like same things and, and same traits with Daniel Jones. So I think that Jones of anyone going after like the QB 20 or so has the best shot. And this is crazy to say, but has the best shot to finish as a QB one in fantasy this year, like a lower end QB one, just given the environment that he's in now, the upgrades everywhere, the fact that he runs the football, it's it's the best recipe for like a late, late, late round gem. Yeah, I mean, Sean and I have kind of been on the same, but ever since we started doing our projections, like like you said, it's like once you do projections, you're like, oh wait, he's running this much? Like yeah. and his and his touchdowns, you have to project them to regress like a little bit or you know, positively throw through the air. And he threw those uh 24 touchdowns in his rookie year. Remember, he had a couple of like four, I think he had three games yep. with four plus touchdowns. Yep. So it's not like he can't do it. Like, it's not like he's just this guy that's broken. Um, it's just been a tough situation. But, uh, Sean, I'm, I'm guessing that's where you're going as well. Yeah, so when it comes to just pure upside, you got to go with Jones. I was sort of embarrassed and ashamed ranking him QB 18, so I'm glad uh, I'm not alone. But I think the Brian Dable uh, addition, like, you know, being in his scheme can only help. And, Rayvon, you mentioned that some people kind of think that Jones won't start every game, even mm-hmm. if healthy. I'm projecting him to start, you know, 16 games this season. I'm not too worried about Tyrod Taylor. If anything, Tyrod gives him a boost. Just, you know, look at Baker Mayfield, Justin Herbert, and Davis Mills the past few seasons. Uh, so Tyrod there doesn't scare me at all. I think Jones will be the quarterback all season. So I don't even think he has that low of a floor. So if you're going for upside, got to go with Jones. I think in two QB super flex formats, I love Jared Goff Yeah, in this range. I mean, he just... <laughs> yes. ha- I I can't believe I'm shilling for Daniel Jones and Jared Goff, but here we are. But I love Goff as well. I mean, he's he's surrounded by weapons. He's going to start all 17 games, barring injury. Uh, and again, you know, he's a pocket passer. I don't think he's going to take that many hits. So I, I love, I know you're the same way with me, but even in best ball, I love stacking Goff with, you know, like a Amal Rossi Brown, TJ Hawkinson. They also brought in DJ Chark and Jamison Williams in case Jared Goff wants to throw the ball downfield. So I just love the talent around golf this year. Like, I mean, I literally had Daniel Jones and Jared. Goff right. I know. Sorry. About you know, that. You know, no, no, no. Like I'll let you, let y'all shine. Like this is, this is perfect because no, it, because these are, I mean, somewhat contrarian takes that hmm. I think are going to help people. And the fact that like, I, I guess JJ, cause we already, we don't even need to talk about Daniel Jones anymore. The thing I'll just say is this is like of the quarterbacks that played half a season last year, he was 18th in points per game and he's going QB 28. So like just even if he has yeah. that same season, which he should be much better, he's still a screaming value. So we don't even need to talk about him anymore, but I do want to get your quick thoughts on Jared Goff. Cause I, I've kind of felt like I was on a little bit of an Island. I feel like the lions offense is actually going to be quite decent this year, especially because I think their defense is going to be bad. So for fantasy, like, I think it's, I think there's going to be volume. I think there's going to be comeback opportunities. And then you have, like the pup list is only four games now. So like, even if Jamison Williams starts this year mm-hmm. on it, he could be back earlier than, you know, 
previously thought like I I just like what's going on in Detroit but and the line is great so like am I crazy I mean like I just think Jared Goff could be like instead of like uh you know we're talking about like Matt Jones and, and Trevor Lawrence and Matt Ryan and like Jared Goff could end up being like that QB 18 or 19 like that unsexy pocket passer but I could be bugging so talk to me Jared Goff real quick no I I, I think that you're right like like of the guys that are going later I, I've definitely yeah. gotten a lot of Goff uh the, the other thing to, to keep in mind is like the first 11 games of last year, that offense was operating, the passing offense was operating through a tight end and a running back, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone makes a big deal out about, about how Amon Ross St. Brown only did what he did because TJ Hawkinson was sidelined and DeAndre Swift was sidelined. You don't do what Amon Ross St. Brown <laughs> did without being talented and good at football. And not only that, why are we giving TJ Hawkinson the benefit of the doubt and not Amon Ross St. Brown, an actual wide receiver, DeAndre Swift, right? Like it makes a lot more sense to want to run your offense through a really good slot player. And then you add in Jamison Williams, who complements Amon Ross St. Brown perfectly. I mean, you can say DJ Chark does too, but I don't think DJ Chark is that great. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the weapons are there, man. I mean, the weapons are there and set up well for Goff to, uh, to, to have, you know, a good. I think what, what we've basically done is found our arbitrage plays for every single player yes, we talked yes, about. So now, yes. so now you can just draft Daniel yeah. Jones and Jared Goff. And you're getting, you know, yeah, like, like we like Trey Lance, but then we were like, we could get Justin Field. So yeah. forget Trey Lance. But then <laughs> we were like, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe Derek Clark or Cousins. So, you know, maybe forget those guys. But um, yeah, then, then we just ended up settling on Goff and Daniel Jones. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's where we are. It's like, it's like the late, it's like you didn't even arrive quarterback. Like they didn't, they didn't even bother to show up. That, that's the quarterbacks we're at. It's forget late. Um, but no, nah, that's that was, this was a great episode. JJ, I you know really appreciate you coming on and doing this. I, I thought you brought just a, a as always a, a very sharp take to just how to approach um what I think is a really important position that a lot of people still get wrong. So I um, really appreciate it. Tell if they don't already know, which they probably do, but tell everybody uh, what you're up to, where they can find you, all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at late round QB. Uh, I'm selling a, a draft guide right now. It's more strategy focused. It's not really like player profile focused and such. Um, that's over on LateRound.com. So check it out in the late round podcast. And I, I got to say, JJ, I love the draft guide. Um, you know, I was reading it and I was like, like, usually somebody gives you a draft guide and you're reading it and you're like, well, now I got to read 200 player profiles. <laughs> like, So I love the format. Like people go check out JJ's uh, draft grad is it, it's really it's so it's that crack it's that crack so appreciate it um yeah and uh again thank you for doing this you can find sean on twitter at the underscore odds maker you can find me at chris raybon and you can find us both at those same handles in the free award-winning action network app be sure to check out action network.com uh, for all fantasy content as well as our projections and rankings and uh we'll be back until next episode Let's get this money.